0: Captain's log, I don't like fish. Welcome to re-engage, <laughs> where we return to a sci-fi show we all have a strong connection to, Star Trek The Next Generation. We re-engage with this series one episode at a time and reconsider Star Trek from a very new perspective of being old people. I'm very excited to talk about this episode, which is called Manhunt. It is season two episode 19 and it's very exciting. I can't wait to be here because we have our return, first returning
1: guest, Cicero Holmes. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh thank you. Uh, you know, it's it's all about the first. Uh first fish species on the Enterprise and first returning guest. Exactly.
0: How about very that? excited. Uh Jimmy G, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing good. It's good to have uh, Cicero back in the studio can't wait to see what he's got to say about the fish peoples
0: and Waxana troy can't wait to get to that kate yeager how are you
3: i'm good thank you we have a returning guest that's so exciting <laughs>
0: <laughs> that means we've been doing this for a little while it's true uh eric Grattan is not able to join us today he's in a uh, amazing show that's going on off broadway he's making his off broadway debut very soon which is exciting but that means he can't join us uh which is sad which means i have to talk about all the guest stars uh which is going to be tough but i'll try to do it justice like he does this episode we're talking about is manhunt as i said star date four two eight five nine point two but in our world that was June 19th, 1989, when it was first broadcast. couple of things happening in the world during that time. We just had a three-week break before the last episode up the long ladder. June 13th was the 43rd NBA championship when the Pistons swept the Lakers. This was the end of the era when the LA Lakers and Boston Celtics kind of ruled the roost in the 80s. The Pistons, the bad boys of uh, uh, Bill Lambeer and Isaiah Thomas kind of took over for a couple of years here, but they swept, and this was also notable because it was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's last game.
1: Yep. Yeah, it was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's last game and the beginning, uh, it was the end of another era. It was the beginning of the Jordan era in the NBA.
0: That's true. Yeah, right, because he had a really great playoffs. Didn't make it to the finals, but it was... This was where he when he took it personally, I believe, from the right. documentary. That,
1: that is that's yeah, he took it personally, he started taking it personally, and then <laughs> after that, every season that Michael Jordan started the season with the Bulls, they ended the season as champions.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, right? For the rest of his
1: and... right. The rest of his career as a bull. Yeah.
3: I should start start taking things much more personally.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: We have used that in my in my kids' soccer games where uh, <laughs> they scored a goal, and we were like, "Well, it was because that girl kind of like took her out, and she took that personally." Yeah, personally. <laughs> <laughs> On June fourteenth, a couple of days before this, Ronald Reagan was knighted by Queen
1: Elizabeth the Second. Wow. I don't remember that.
0: Yeah, I so said, he
1: was Sir Uncle Ronnie. Sir Uncle Ronnie. Uh,
0: I just want to say boo to all that, right, yeah. sir, sir Gipper. <laughs> uh, and the funny thing is, he doesn't remember any of that. No, no, <laughs> yeah. So Part didn't, it didn't really happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing that I didn't remember until I read about it, though, also on June fourteenth, Zsa Zsa Gabor was arrested. For mm-hmm. slapping S- the girls pick up. Yes, that was on that slapping was five days before this was uh, was premiered. And that that <laughs> little anecdote uh, I remember for some reason from, from my childhood.
2: I was a huge Green Acres fan, it resonated with me. <laughs> yes.
3: I used to do impersonations as a as a young preteen, and one of them was Tammy Faye Baker and the other one was Josh Agabor. That's, uh,
2: yeah. right. when yeah. it, now we got to hear both.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you can't just mention it without... No, you, can't bring, no. you can't drop
2: yeah. that and
1: walk right. away. Uh,
3: the, the Tammy Faye Baker is hard, though, because it involves me with my sort of Pan's Labyrinth-style hands in front of my eyes with oh, really big yeah, of eyelashes.
1: Course. It's, a, it's, a, it's a visual <laughs> I- yeah,
3: impersonation.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. That's just for us here on this call. <laughs> uh, but that's all i got for history. What's going on in the world of entertainment, Kate?
3: Well, we missed a lot in the three weeks between these two episodes. Uh, Some amazing songs worth mentioning. Uh, I'm going to give you the choice between three songs and I'll sing uh, the lyrics to one of them for you. Uh, On June 3rd, we had Rock On by Michael Damian. Uh, a fantastic song. I saw him live at uh, Videopolis at Disneyland. Uh, him and Corey Feldman when <laughs> Corey Feldman was in the love phase. Uh, amazing. Wow. Uh, June tenth, "The Wind Beneath My Wings" by Bette Midler mm-hmm. was number one, That's and on one. June seventeenth this week, uh, "I'll Be Loving You Forever" by New Kids on the Block.
0: Ooh. Ooh.
1: All of Ooh. them suck. Yeah. <laughs> How
3: dare
1: you? Yeah. I vote for Bette Midler. Right. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. Mean, that is, that's the song that we're most likely to hear at a wedding somewhere <laughs> or someone's yeah. retirement. It um, and <laughs> my high school graduation commencement song.
2: Wow. Was the
1: wind beneath my wings? Yes.
2: yes. Oh, wow. And, you know, you don't hear it just once because you got to get all the students it was repeated (laughs) oh oh, uh, no yeah it
3: it also has the best opening lyric of any song which makes sense if you see the movie but just cold listening to the song it's it must have been cold Cold there there in my my shadow shadow. it's like it's like a diss track right from the start
0: (laughs) (laughs) you suck and let me tell you why (laughs) But actually, you're the wind beneath my wings, I
1: guess. Yeah. Let me
2: tell you, sister, Ro, we're going to flip that and make it a love song.
1: There we go. There we go. Watch this. The record scratch. uh <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, I've decided not to sing. On the movie front, we missed uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, oh, one of my one. favorite movies of all time. Uh, a good one, and uh, I think my favorite of the Indiana Jones series. Mine too. Uh, which is it's sort got, of controversial, but it's
1: got great tapestries.
3: Yes, yes. it does have great tapestries.
1: Right. And and Kate, you you chose wisely.
3: <laughs> Thank you. We also missed uh, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, yes. uh, the week before this came out. And the number one movie in uh, America was Ghostbusters 2. Mm. Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. And that's what's, ha- what's happening in the world of pop culture. What's happening in your neck of the woods? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I'm an f- unabashed fan of Ghostbusters 2. I don't As know why it gets oh, so yes. much hate maybe it was because i was you know 11 when it came out and so i was like this is great it's like right it's like the old one but but different they walk with the
1: statue of liberty at the end well and it had it had the things that you liked as a kid in them right yeah uh it you know it had the nes uh advantage controller yes it had uh flat top wearing bobby brown in it the the Statue of Liberty is you know moving around and and Vigo the Carpathian was taking over a baby like it, it was Slimer was was a good guy in right. you know after watching Slimer on the Ghostbusters the real, real Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters the real Ghostbusters uh, cartoon getting to see Slimer in a in a movie was awesome so yeah it was everything it was the Ewoks for us man. <laughs> we were the perfect <laughs> age for this. <laughs> the perfect age for
0: it. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, so, moving on, I'm going to fill in as best I can for Eric here, talking about uh, the guest stars. At first, I was like, oh, we already covered these, so it won't be that bad because we already talked about Major Barrett and Carol Strucken as Mr. Hom. Um, but there are a bunch in the Dixon Hill world that yeah. I can talk about. So, Robert Costanza is the first one that comes to mind. He plays slade bender who is the character that comes in and wants to shoot dixon Mm. hill uh to start this guy was in everything everything Everything, especially as this gangster type of role um i'm calling him up now because there is so much to go over i'm not going to do the the laundry list here but he was in basically every tv show created from 1970 to 1990 uh including police squad cagney and Lacey, saint elsewhere hill street blues uh, he was in very uh, five episodes of Family Ties. Uh, he was in The Twilight Zone. He was in L.A. Law. Uh, he was your stand-in Italian gangster for a long time, and of course, in movies, he was in Dog Day Afternoon, uh, as well as Dick Tracy and Die Hard Two. Right around this era, as uh, at Die Hard Two, he was like basically the the cop uh, that was talking to uh, John McClane uh, in Total Recall. He's got a big part there as right. well. Uh, honeymoon in vegas Uh, and then he goes and does a lot more uh, voiceover work after that in the 90s um, as uh, you know he's in batman uh, movies he's an air bud he does a lot of stuff and he's still alive today and still working Uh, most recently he was in a 2021 film called dutch and he's got two more credits coming Uh, so kudos to robert costanza for for keeping it alive Uh, we also have Rod Arrens as Rex, no last name. Rex, uh, he is not in a bunch, but he is in a ton of other Star Trek stuff. He was in uh, uh, not a ton, but he was in sorry, Voyager. Um, and his career uh, is not quite as uh, peppered as Robert Costanza's is, but he continued to work uh, through the two thousands, including a uh, what I want to know more about the pilot episode of a sitcom called The Darwin Awards. Which oh is okay. no.
4: <laughs> I, I,
0: that sounds funny just hearing about it i don't know why uh then we have robert o'reilly uh who was scarface was the name of the character but he was the one uh in between robert costanza's appearances who came in and threatens <laughs> picard over the desk uh he is most notable for playing gowron later in star trek the next generation uh a klingon and then in uh much more episodes of deep space nine uh afterwards um and then finally we got the return of uh rondon aldrich as madeline the secretary i love that she is basically this continuing character throughout all of the four dixon hill episodes uh throughout here um and uh, she keeps it going she keeps going full steam uh jimmy what is going on with the fun stuff i know i left out one big guest star which i was hoping you might cover
2: no, <laughs> uh, I'm not. Uh, I only, oh, well, yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about, but uh, I think we can get to that person when we uh, talk about that, that those two characters. Okay. Uh, just three little quick tidbits from the Nemesic files. This happens to be Tracy Torme's uh, very last episode, oh. a Swan Song. Um, he's not credited as a writer. Uh, this is the second time he did this. He went by a pseudonym in protest of the changes that were made to his script. And this was actually supposed to be a sequel to the or the third of three scripts that played directly off of the first Dixon Hill and the first Loxana Troy episode, both of which he wrote. Um, and this was supposed to be a, an immediate follow-up, and they played around with it so much that that didn't, necessarily add up the way he wanted it to including uh Dixon Hill having voiceovers which they they recorded and thought this sounds way too much like a captain's log and it might be confusing so they took that out. So this is the last time we'll hear Tracy Torme's name as writer and it's the last time for a while that we hear the director's uh name as well. He doesn't come up again until like season 4. And then the only other little tidbit which I never noticed and then became starkly aware of uh after reading it and watching the episode is that beta zoids all have uh, pure black eyes. And uh, I never noticed that. And then of course it's uh you can't help but see it once you know that right. and that's all I got from the Nemesic files.
0: That was very noticeable. This episode. For sure. So, yeah, well, let's get into it as it happens. We get a mysterious message about Antedon dignitaries who are going to be coming to a conference on Pacifica, which is a, you know, just by the the name of it, it's got to be an all ocean. Yeah, it's a water world. It's a water world, right? So, it (laughs) makes sense that these amazing Antedians are brought on board. There's a lot of lead up to their visual reveal. And then we see they're essentially fish people. Uh, standing in what looks like a shower curtain, uh, <laughs> what did you guys think of this introduction of this race?
3: Well, first of all, I love Picard in a dress uniform. I'm just gonna say that out loud. That's all. He
1: yeah, it was uh, the first, the first uh, formal dress wear for uh, TNG. So we have not seen it previously. Wow, no.
0: I love. I, I love feel it. like we did, it's been alluded to a couple of times, but never right. actually seen. Okay, that makes sense.
2: I love the the look. I love the way they looked. I love the backstory of how they travel. That they uh, go into stasis to uh, so they don't have as much um, anxiety. <laughs> the silver. I know it's like nineteen fifty sci-fi, right. but I, I dug it all. Like it was super sci-fi. That's what I wrote down. Was this is this is sci-fi? Fish people in silver costumes is sci-fi.
1: It when I when I saw it I was like oh man it reminded me of the last time I was on the show and and what I said was like the costumes were from from TOS and Hmm. these were TOS style
4: uh,
1: effects as well this was TOS costuming again so I was like oh man I, I guess. I I didn't remember it like the the TOS budget or the TNG budget being so low this late <laughs> into the season. Um we were at the end of season 2 at this point. Um uh, but uh, I guess it was. Yeah. I was fascinated by the jug of water. That yeah. was off on the side like <laughs> that like that never came into play. It was just there. Like they never wound up using it through the episode, I don't think. Oh no! Are you talking about the thing with the fish in it? Yeah. Like oh, is food? that what? Oh, yeah, the no, oh, yeah. No, okay. mm. they. Yeah. Oh.
2: They. We'll talk about that later because yeah. I got some stuff to say about that. <laughs> they, and right in this ep- in this scene, Wesley opens that up and starts looking it in. It's like. That's somebody's lunch, dude. Right. You don't just open up somebody's lunch and start looking it in at it. And get out of
0: my lunch. It's okay. What are you doing? They're in stasis, or right. as Pulaski right. says, stasis. Why does she pronounce everything wrong? That's what I want to know.
1: <laughs> Pulaski, Pulaski. I I truly, honestly believe that season two they added Pulaski in there to see how much. How far they could fuck with uh <laughs> Trek fans. Right? Because Dr. Crusher was such a compelling character and then inexplicably was was recasted for Pulaski. And she was the most ornery, like bones-esque doctor of of all time, but didn't have the relationship with any of the officers that let that like endeared bones to everybody else Yeah. until like there was like five minutes left of the season and then it was like oh you know what pulaski is not too bad and then the season three she's gone forever forever
0: (laughs) never mentioned again yeah
3: Yeah, that's a great point because it wasn't until the last episode we did where uh she and uh and Worf have that tea ceremony. Right. It was absolutely the most, like I was like, I can like this Pulaski. Right. Uh, but it's sort of like they didn't figure out what to do with her until it was too late.
0: By the way, I will bring this up next episode too, but I might just cut this out. But in the next episode, you can totally tell they smashed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they totally smashed. For sure. <laughs> uh, but then Worf has the best line at the oh. end of this. Yes. Where it's this long pause and he's staring at the NTDNs and you think he's going to say some one thing and he says, what a handsome race. Yes. Oh,
2: I laughed out loud a gut laugh. It's, it is his Hamlet. He, that is his best ever line in TNG. G.
0: It is good. It is so good. Okay, And then we uh, go back up to the bridge and that's where we get this uh, communique coming in. There's someone who needs to speak. Uh, Our uh, co-pilot, who was another uh, guest star, but he only has these couple of lines where he's flubbing about talking about this VIP passenger. And then, whoops, we get Loaxana Troy coming on the line, uh, just totally doing like a photo bomb in the Zoom call uh, and (laughs) wanting to be like, oh, no, I'll handle this from now on. Guess what? She is going to be a uh, ambassador during this conference, and it is up to the Enterprise to bring her to Pacifica. But she ends it on uh, hearing some naughty thoughts from Captain Picard.
1: I always I always wonder about that with with uh, Loxana Troy. Um, she is the best Betazoid we know, right? because we only know one and a half <laughs> um but but like it's clear that or at least to me it seems clear that Picard isn't thinking these thoughts so is she just trolling him or does she really think that he's doing it like and and I love major Barrett's uh portrayal of of this character because you net like all of those things are true Right. Like he wasn't thinking it, but he actually was thinking it. And she's just putting it on. But she's actually also listening to it. All of those things are true. Um, All realities exist within (laughs) Muxana Troy. (laughs) What were you going to say, Kate?
3: Uh, Well, first to add on to that, I I love that idea that she sort of... uh, uh, inserts the idea into his head, and then gets to reap the benefit of him actually having the thought for a brief second, which is just really nice. Um, I just love knowing that this was a Loxana Troy uh, episode. Um, Troy's moment before, when when before we know who it is, where she sort of just gets out of her chair horrified, uh, is just such a wonderful reaction in retrospect, knowing that it's because she senses her mother um, <laughs> I feel like we all have that sense <laughs> sometimes you know the person that you love the most that you're like they're here
2: oh no I uh I, I for both of those things one like I totally agree with what Cicero was saying but what what struck me on this one and I'm wondering if it would be written differently today than it was then is like this is abusive <laughs> like, yes you yes. can't <laughs> use this thing that you have to either be truthful or to lie and especially in front of a bunch of other people, and with the person in a, in a command position, It's like everything about what she did is at least wildly inappropriate. Like you, <laughs> you, you, you cannot do those things with your gift. I mean, that is an absolute abuse. And then as soon as I knew it was Lexana, and then in later scenes that we see it, I was like, again, inappropriate with the way you're going, Mom. Right. Stop that. <laughs> like you're. On the flagship of the of the Federation, you can't be having a meltdown because your mom's around. You gotta right. you gotta rise up, man.
0: But she's the only one who can speak truth to her because yeah. you know Picard can't because she's got this ambassadorial rank. Um, but I agree with you, Kate. Like I I have certainly had that moment where you see the caller ID and it's your mom and you're like, oh
2: god. Oh, god. <laughs> Right. Right. It's not the emotion that's out of place. It's how you voice it in front of your colleagues. It's true. true. That's a little different. Yeah. Right.
0: Uh, So then she beams over and she's immediately uh, surprised by the Antedians, of course.
3: I love that they just keep them in the corner. They sort of say, I'll find somewhere for them to be. And where they found for them to be is just standing (laughs) slightly to the left.
2: (laughs) They literally say, I'll I'll store them here.
0: So she's freaked out by them. Can't read their thoughts yet. Compliments Picard on his legs and how uh, beautiful they are. And then immediately gets into her bits about what he's thinking about what's going on. Uh, I love that Riker now has to pick up the luggage. It's a great little <laughs> yes. comedic moment where he's picks it up.
3: That luggage lotzi is is just to die for. It's
0: chef's kiss. Yeah. I love it. Uh, he thinks he's going to be all badass and he's, he's Whoa, I'll take it. And then you see him struggling all the way <laughs> to her room. Uh so then yeah, then we go to the uh bit where Deanna is described, you know, trying to talk with Lawaxana, her mother, about what's happening, how far along it is. We're not really sure what uh what is going on here with Lawaxana's behavior of uh being even more flirtatious than the last appearance.
3: This is where we learn that men are a commodity.
2: Yes. Right. It yep. should be owned again. Yes. Do you remember that line? Yes. <laughs> again inappropriate
0: and then her father her her father never complained
2: well and I wrote down on this one when she says father worships you I was like what man worshiped this woman the way she behaves and that's an interesting story I would love to see that relationship, because you could justify it somehow, but I want to see it unfold.
1: Well, don't don't let uh, Paramount hear you say that, because they may make that as into a series. Because <laughs> there aren't enough Star Trek series going right. on concurrently. <laughs> the
0: Waxana Files.
1: Right? Uh,
0: so then on the bridge, uh, this we get a little uh, locker room talk here from Will Riker. The way he's talking with yeah. this, I mean, we know now that his leg up is because of his back thing, but that felt very odd to be so the way he's. gossipy yeah and poor yeah. crusher wesley's just eating it up
3: well wesley has a lot to learn in this episode he makes a lot of uh, assumptions and does a lot <laughs> of uh, judging and this is not a great episode for young crusher it's, it's
1: not it's not a it's also not a great uh clothing episode for young crusher either um <laughs> So yeah I, I know like the last again the last time I was on he was in like the the biggest giant sweater of yes. all time um but yeah but now he's in like maybe maybe they should have like I, I realized that they didn't want to have him in a color that would denote that he was some kind of officer or was had some kind of role but that gray jumpsuit there was there was a problem with that it was just. <laughs> A little like he—he—he he, he was almost camouflaged uh, up against the back, the back of the walls and stuff. Uh, hmm. It's not a great look. Not yeah, a great I, look. And he's the only one who wears it, right? No yeah. other ensign
0: wears the all gray. So because
2: yeah. he's the only fake ensign on the ship. Right. Everybody else had to actually go to Starfleet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Picard's got a field (laughs) commission.
2: Is
3: gray the color that all of the colors would be if you mixed them together? Like you mix the red shirt with the yellow shirt with the blue (laughs) shirt, and it it all comes out this sort of gray color.
0: It's the palette, right? Yes. (laughs) Bob Ross mixing all those colors together.
2: Well, and we talked about it before. His original jumpsuit that had the multicolors, that was specific to, it it represented all the fields. Science, Hmm. uh, command, security uh engineering
0: all that right i wish they'd stuck with that that's my hoodie i love it
2: yeah it was better
0: uh picard dresses them down though he's like no we can't do that no joking around about she has ambassador rank she may be eccentric but we have to respect her i i liked. this was another example of picard basically being like hey knock it off right uh, to his to his crew um then he also says everybody's got to get in dress uniforms for the dinner tonight. And they're all like, what the? We haven't been invited. It was a little kind of uh, comedy of social mores there where they're like, wait, did I not get the invite? <laughs>
4: right. <laughs>
1: who's, who's on the list? Are you on the list? <laughs>
2: I it back just to make sure I didn't miss the invite. Right. right. <laughs> Let me check
1: my she emails. Doesn't,
2: she doesn't say uh, that anybody else is invited, just that it's uh, you know an ambassadorial yeah. dinner. Yeah.
0: It's true. So then Picard uh, has a quick scene with uh, Pulaski as he's got his dress uniform on again, bearing a bottle of something blue. Barbasol? Uh, it does look like the
1: the stuff you yeah. put in for the barbershop right there was a comb in there he doesn't need it anymore yeah odd that bald man would have
2: it he's right. <laughs> like I don't need it he's <laughs> like we're right. trying to get rid of this for years yep. right.
1: finally
0: uh, so he's a little bit questioning what's happening and then of course he shows up provides the bottle to Mr. Hom who is does his bit of drinking it down.
2: It is so good. Yeah. They really played it, leaned into the uh him being a drunk this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Every scene, I think you, you see him down in something. Yep.
3: Finishing yeah. everybody's glasses. That's right. my favorite. That's
2: my favorite too. I, yeah. I
1: wish I wish I pledged with that guy. <laughs> 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 he would have saved me a lot of trouble. He holds his liquor for sure. Right. Uh
0: but then he slowly I like how Picard tries to be as socially proper in this scene as possible including with Mr. Hom he's trying to be like I'm sure everyone else is just late and then Mr. Ham does a quick shake of his head <laughs> points to the door where Lwaxana is there in all of her glory
3: again this is I said this the last episode I want Every single one of her dresses. Yeah. That's where your budget went for this episode is so. Uh, every single one of her dresses yeah. is more fantastic than the one before it.
1: Yeah, she she looks great. She looks fantastic.
3: And I know this is sorely of really dorky to have noticed, but I loved the silverware design because they eat and the forks were like mm. really fucking cool. They had like. Uh, really thin tines, like almost hmm. just like pronged tines, like thin needle type tines. Can I say tines anymore? Are you glad I know the word tines?
0: <laughs> I love that movie, Fast <laughs> Tines at my <Ridgemont> High. <laughs> <That's right. laughs>
3: I've had the tine of my life. Right. Do
0: you There's
1: remember
2: no the tine? humor like silverware. <laughs> cutlery will get you every time.
1: <laughs> oh, that was a good play on flattery. It, it, that's very good. It, it cuts like a knife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I love, I love that right. Waxana is like, oh, I'm, I
0: don't have any, You know, very flirty about like, I don't have an appetite. I wonder why that could be, you know, she's only picking and eating a little bit. So that's why I get that the, uh, the flatware was noticeable. Uh, we'll get back to that detail later. Uh, but then Picard realizes that he has to keep this, Sherrod going it means something to her he doesn't want to hurt her feelings because well a she's got the ambassador rank and she's the mother of one of his bridge officers Um, so he comes on this great idea to invite data to come and expound about any
2: detail that comes to mind which I wrote down data for the cock block. Right.
3: <laughs> First of all, data, I wrote down data is a cooler, uh, you know, that the, the house brings in when, yeah, when dates yeah. are getting too hot and heavy. But I was watching this and I was like, so smart to bring a friend into the date and remembered that I did this in high school. With a guy that wanted to go on a date with me, and I just didn't want him to feel bad, so I told all of our friends to meet us at the movies. And oh. then we got to we got to the movies, and all of our friends happened to be there. I feel terrible about it to this fucking day. Oh, right? Man. Oh, Could I dude. be any
1: any that's any worse? Isn't that awful? All, you know what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Like that's... I had the
2: reverse date. Oh, you were you date. were the date? No, so I went on a date. <laughs> and all of my fraternity brothers showed up and sat right behind. Oh,
0: oh man. Uh, and you're like, "Come on." Right. That's rough. Right. Was it Star right. Trek 5: The Final Frontier that you were taking the right. day to?
1: There you go.
2: Now it was that <laughs> what's worse, it was that movie with uh the revenge flick about the priests who were uh the the, the um boarding the 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 parole school guys who were raping kids and then they orchestrate uh getting them busted <laughs> later. Right. Kate's face. Yeah. <laughs> you got and it was like Robert De Niro was in it. School and, days? Um, was it
1: school No, days? no. No, nuns no, on the run. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's not rounders, no, it's uh um, right. rounders. It's all the big names. Oh, I know what you're
1: talking s- about. I know Silent the Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come
0: to us at one right. point.
2: Kevin Bacon is one of the bad guys. Yeah,
0: That's no, just I, the
3: worst date movie ever. Yeah, That's oh, my, my face gosh. on my like this. Right. Terrible.
1: Right, we will... Terrible. Yeah.
2: It's first you don't date. Have a lot of uh, movie choices in right. Laramie, Wyoming. Yeah.
1: First date, My all my frat brothers are behind us. We're in the movie. What movie did you go see? <laughs> Schindler's List. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now she's my wife. Right, Oh, man.
0: All right. So then Troy meets up with Pulaski in the hallways and finds out that, well, A, that, that uh, Picard was in Luxana's chambers. And then also, this is where we as the audience learn what's going on with Luxana and that she is going through the phase.
3: I, I have to say that I think that this uh, first season of Picard missed out on a great episode to find Troy in the middle of her phase. Yes. Yes. I thought about
1: it. I thought about that when they were talking, when they were discussing it. I was like, oh, man. So I wonder if Troy is going through this right now in Picard. Right. Yeah, that's a good callback.
2: That is a huge... Huge miss
1: by them. Oh, <laughs> such a big miss. Or season two's coming. Or, season
2: two.
1: Or I. So we we discussed on uh, my Star Trek podcast, uh, Discovery debrief, cheap, cheap plug, um, that when when we when we when we learned that Troy and uh, Riker would be somewhere in the season, that we thought that maybe they were running some kind of like sex cult. Oh. Um, <laughs> So now we saw in Picard, spoilers for Picard, we saw that they were on this planet in the woods in what could have been a compound,
3: right? So
1: how do we know that she's not in the middle of her face?
0: It's true. It's true. Troy then goes and tries to save uh, Picard. And this is the detail where I love where once Picard leaves and he thanks Data for saving him from this, we get more conversation between Troy and her mother and her mother eats constantly during this, this scene. And I just love that. She was like, Oh yeah, you weren't really didn't have an appetite, but now that the men aren't there, you're going to
1: feed your face. I love that. right. And, and the chimes go ding, ding. ding. All right. And that's why we get the callback of
0: the, (laughs) the ringing of the gong for the, thank you uh, for all of the food. Uh, And then we get this last scene of this act where it's in the ready room and Riker just has a shit-eating grid on his face this entire (laughs) scene. He's very excited about uh, Deanna potentially going through the phase in the future. So we know he's going to like it.
3: Until he finds out that it will quadruple or five, or, more. or more. It's the or more that he didn't yeah, know yeah. about. He's
0: like, he didn't tell me and that. How
2: they I mean, missed the big joke in Picard is something about you know level six or something, right? Like we see him and like he comes out like a little tired and disheveled. Goes, Are you okay? He's like, I think I will be. Right. And you don't say anything else. You just got to know. Oh, Deanna's in the face. Right. That's an
1: Easter egg. Right. (laughs) Computer, Gatorade, free punch. (laughs) need some
0: electrolytes. (laughs) Uh, But Picard is very happy to be like, oh, I'll just be unavailable. So I'll go into my favorite fantasy world on the holodeck and I'll be Dixon Hill. So that's where the next act opens.
3: Didn't someone flat out die the last time that they were in the Dixon Hill uh, world? It just, yep. it just feels like...
2: In that very office.
3: For, in that office, right? <laughs>
2: it, it doesn't seem like he's gotten better. No. <laughs> I mean, three times he's got to stop because he's in danger. Right? <laughs> it feels like he is.
0: I feel like the computer is being a real dick here. Uh, he, she, he's clearly saying, I don't want to deal with violence. And then they come in with the these three scenes back to back. This is where Robert Costanza... Uh, has a little bit of a preamble before he starts to draw his pistol and uh, Picard freezes program. We get the Scarface guy uh, come in and he threatens him over the table, clear that, and we get that Latsy of clear program and Picard falls down on his face uh, on the desk. <laughs> which, is...
2: which I wrote down, great that holograms can set up Pratt Falls. Right.
0: <laughs> they should be doing that more often, honestly. Right, right. <laughs> Um, and then we get that sh- the, the, the the comedy of threes here is having uh Robert Costanza's character come back with a Tommy gun. He's like, Ah, oh, I'm yes.
2: tired of you. <laughs>
0: He's about to shoot him again. Um, great reaction from Patrick Stewart there with his hands up against the wall. He's like,
2: Freeze program.
1: <laughs> Say goodnight, you filthy animal. <laughs> <laughs> got that energy for sure yeah i really appreciate the way the Dix dixon hills um vignettes are shot right because it's it's it definitely it is completely film noir like you know the the camera angles that they use uh like the scarface scene when scarface comes in they've got him right up on the camera with with uh dixon hill in the in the backdrop you know and like all of that stuff is really set up really nicely
0: agreed agreed and i think they i I hope they were able to use the same set i guess i but probably not they probably had to rebuild it again uh for this now that i'm thinking about it because they wouldn't keep it forever right um but it does look authentic i like that he turns up the music and kind of gets like a, a a real ambiance of what's happening here. And then we have uh you know a middle scene here where Luxana now knows that Picard is busy and then we go back to Crusher and Worf just staring at these at these fish Worf people. Worf
2: is thirsty. He is <laughs> thirsty.
3: <laughs> and Wesley's judgy again and yeah. and manages to pull off a uh uh a you're handsome for a Klingon line yeah, to which right. I yes. wrote oh Wesley no just no <laughs> yeah. like just stop
1: that was that was socially acceptable at the time
3: oh hey, hey.
1: you know that was it was it was the time of don't ask don't tell was progressive for this right. time think about that right right, right. <laughs> so just don't tell yeah. anyone how right yeah so yeah you're you're handsome for a Klingon. Is uh, is is definitely something that I've heard. Oh. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Well, at least
0: Wesley has the wherewithal to be like, "Oh, that came out wrong. I didn't want to right. say it that way." Yes. <laughs> uh, but then Luwaxana comes in and does even worse. Honestly. So thirsty. <laughs> thirsty for Wesley. <laughs>
3: Upsetting.
1: <laughs> she can't wait for him to mature. She less, there was a lot of optimism.
4: She saw a
1: lot in Wesley. Um, and, you know, and that's, that's what we want. We want our elders to be able to see the people that we're going to become. And that's what she was doing. All right. Well, um, then we go back to Dixon
0: Hill and he's, he's going to leave the office. Uh, and he has a nice conversation with his secretary, Madeline. And she's very excited to go to the bar with him. But she said, you about to bring this gun to to uh, defend yourself. And after all the talk about nonviolence, Picard seems very excited to have this gun. Yeah. He does the whole yeah. thing with the spinning of the of the, <laughs> of the barrel. Very odd, but excited to get going. And then he's in Rex's bar where we meet the bartender, uh, uh, Rex, who doesn't have a last name. I just love that detail. That they're yeah. like, hey, what's your last name? And he's like, uh, I don't think I have um. one. <laughs> Great programming there.
3: Picard goes on about World War Two for just a little too long for my taste. In this, it becomes like reading a a history novel for a hot second. Yes, I, I feel like this Dixon Hill as B story is a really interesting tack to take because uh, it's it's not the most interesting of the Dixon Hill storylines that we get. There's a lot of waiting around, like a lot of hiding.
0: Right. Yeah, it is basically just a, a duck and cover move. A um, couple of cool lines in there. Like I, I like that he is talking about World War II. Uh, it, it's, the, the whole joke here is that this is fish out of water for Picard, okay. right? And so he says... Fish he, I, out
3: of water. Out of water. Uh, ah. yeah.
0: But I love the interaction where the bartender is like rubbing his fingers together and he's like, what is that? And then even Picard does yeah. it like back to him and then taps the right. table and he's like, is that we done? <laughs> Oh, money. <laughs> money. <laughs> I've, I've got to remember to bring that next time. And the bartender is like, yeah, fucking A you do. We go to find out that uh, uh, Lawaxana is picking Riker to be his her mate uh, on the bridge. She barges onto the bridge. Deanna is very upset with, with her uh, presence at all and basically says, no, not him. You can't choose him. Why he's adorable. I actually really like how this, um, this conversation is is through voiceover, but the acting is is spot on for how right. those li- lines would be delivered.
1: Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it as well. But yeah, I was looking at I was looking at uh, Luxana when when this happened. Like she has to know. Yeah. Right. Like she she of course she knows. Uh, why why not him? But then she does it anyway. Right. And it's like well and and Diana doesn't seem like she's she's upset by it but she's not wrecked by it and and it's like well what does that say about the beta zoid uh physiology that her mom can choose the the man that she loves as as her mate because she's going through the phase and that's okay mm-hmm. like what what does that mean and the weird exchange too
0: afterwards, where Troy's like, "Why didn't you let me stop her?" to Riker, and Riker's like, "Well, we'll let the captain deal with that." And she's a right. like, coward. She calls Riker <laughs> a coward, which I thought was crazy. Yeah, because
3: yeah. I that was, that's an interesting take, Cicero. I I took it to be more that she trusts that it won't be, it won't happen. Like there's no way that that, that at least Picard would allow that to happen. Right. Uh, but it is. Will's is a bit of a coward because he definitely like sends her on his, on her way. Like we'll deal with this later.
1: But but I mean, Deanna Troy said in the captain's quarters that if, or in the ready room that if you reject her, she'll take right. it personally. True. So you know you can't be you can't have it both ways.
4: Hmm.
3: True.
1: Right. Which again, when they when they said that, I.
2: I wrote down: Is this a 1989 thing? Like, who cares if she takes it personally? Just because you <laughs> like somebody doesn't mean they have to like you back. <laughs> They're not beholden to. All right, well, I guess I have to marry you since right. you know I don't want your feelings to be hurt. <laughs> right. Mine don't matter, I guess. <laughs> like it was just ridiculous. The whole premise of dance around it, and then when she just takes Will and says, "I'm going to marry you," was like you can't just take over somebody's life and make the decisions for them, and then be like. Oh, it's just Loxana. Right, she's <laughs> just horny.
0: Riker's loving it though. He's oh, yeah. he's smiling. He thinks it's right. funny. He kind of yeah. likes that everybody's gu- guff is up about this. He's like, this is what I do. Right. I, I just seduce <laughs> ladies. That's what I do.
2: Earlier, in the thing when we find out what's going on, I put Riker would have done her if not for Troy. But maybe still, he would have done her. Right. <laughs> For
0: all we know, they did, you know. Yeah. There's 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 a lot of moments where this could have happened. Uh, I guess actually that's not true because, well, first, the Antedians are awoken by Dr. Pulaski. Uh, poor Pulaski really just has a lot of just plot movement lines in here. She doesn't have a lot of character, but she does let us know that they are hungry. And then we get to the two of them eating oh their fish goodness. meal here. It's They're pretty
3: terrifying gross. when they wake up. <laughs> yes, that just constant screaming, like like a like a, <laughs> like a walrus uh, in heat, uh, while <laughs> slurping down all of that protein. No, thank you.
0: I, you know what? This feels like the right time to mention that one of these antedians underneath all of those prosthetics is the rock star drummer Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac.
3: That is so weird.
1: This is like. Which one was it? Which one was it? (laughs) The tall one. Right. (laughs) He shaved his beard. Right. Yeah. He's such a fan that he shaved his beard in order to be. uh, In those prosthetics.
0: Right. Two and a half hours to get that prosthetic on. Wow. Uh, he did it, I think, only over two days. He was a big fan of Star Trek, similar to Don, John Tesh. So we had uh, Tesh's oh, so guest star uh, a couple episodes before. Uh, so maybe there's there's a call out to to the entertainment world. If you're a fan of the show, right. we could put you on. He didn't care that he didn't he didn't get to have to talk really either. This is this is just a odd, odd little bit that I don't think you know young Greg had any awareness of uh, back then, and it's still blowing my mind now that such a uh, he's hiding underneath all that for all of these yeah. scenes that's crazy um i also was watching the scene with the uh subtitles on and the only thing that's said underneath uh when the Antedians are talking is loud shouting <laughs> 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 which seemed accurate they were not happy about uh being woken up i mean who is honestly uh, they immediately go to Slarpropyl of stuff, which is really nasty. Riker uh, gets uh, away from Lwaxana saying he's going to go speak to the to the captain. She's like, oh, well, maybe I'll do something like that. Data says, are you going to the, holo- uh, uh, the holodeck? Give me five minutes. I love that this is, I think this is the second time where he said that to a character where like, I need a costume change. Give me five right. minutes.
1: <laughs> I, I actually also love um like mini mullet data so like they haven't you know they haven't really cut his hair yet uh so he's got like this little so when he like when he turned and he ran away excitedly so for his costume change he had this little bob in the back of his head that uh, that was moving. That was pretty cool. It was like
0: flowing hair. <laughs> yes, flowing. Going behind him.
1: Data's locks.
0: Yep.
3: <laughs> right as Data enters in that suit, uh, Rex says this line, and I had to rewind it multiple times. He says, I'm as jumpy as haircut Lipinski trying to land on a fraction.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> what does that mean in actual true?
0: Do they even know what fractions are in 1941? <laughs> Uh, sound French um, so- <laughs> Haircut Lipinski too I want to know who that guy is Right
3: is that- exactly yeah.
0: Soda Popinski Yes
3: Also nobody ever filled Luxana On the the number one rule of the holodeck Which is never fall in love
2: yeah. <laughs> They're not real It's like every bachelor at a strip club Right They think they really <laughs> like you <laughs> I wrote This
3: one, one does. Yeah, is, is someone going to tell her she can't fuck that program? Like, <laughs> oh,
2: we don't know that. The yeah, cleans itself. That is that's true. true. It <laughs> is it cleans itself.
0: Yeah, the holodeck is fully functional. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, we don't get that reveal quite yet. We get data reveal, uh, which you think is going to be the the bad guy that uh, Madeline and Rex are looking for, Jimmy Two Straws or something. What I forget it right. is. Jimmy Kuzo. <laughs> um. And uh, then it's the great entrance of Data in his suit. I love that he's got his go to, like, period costumes, like, ready to go. <laughs> of course, he's from South America again. Right. Um, Riker's in his normal uniform, which they don't notice, uh, but they do notice that he calls them <laughs> Captain, uh, which Riker, Riker's just not a very good role player, honestly. He never really follows through on this LARP.
2: Well, Picard didn't lead into it either.
0: He did. He said, "Call me dicks." In this, in this uh, scene, yeah.
2: But then he gave the five-minute monologue about uh, World World, World War II.
1: That's true. He totally, he totally Marty McFlyed that bar, right? Like, (laughs) you know, know? Um, but uh, yeah. Like, I don't get the rules of the holodeck. Right? They are, they are so (laughs) wishy-washy. Like, they don't matter at all. Uh like that entire scene was was a a perfect like encapsulation of why the holodeck is both awesome and sucks simultaneously.
2: <laughs> the rules change based on the episode. The
1: right, but, but or, or totally the person. Right. Or the person. Like, uh, hey, this guy doesn't need to come in and costume. This guy does, you know, like what are we doing here? it eh, doesn't matter. They don't care. They're programs, you know. Right. It's sci-fi. That's right. all they that's, care that's about. All that, that's all that matters. It's a pl- it's
0: a plot machine. So yeah, then uh, this is where the Riker basically tells uh, that Luxana is interested in him and not Picard. In doing so, he gets Rex to be very interested in this in this woman. She's got looks and money. Oh, yeah. I'm into that. Yeah. Um, and of course, when she shows up following her own voice through the computer, I yes. love that she <laughs> she tries to get right. guidance to where Riker is and goes to the holodeck. But it is her voice as Majel Barrett as the computer telling her where to go. And she acts very well against herself, I will say.
1: She's a professional.
0: She got her reveal. She's got the amazing purple dress on because uh, so she nice. was ex- she wanted yeah, to show her. it it's
2: like at a foil or something, right? It was uh, shiny. It was shimmery and shimmery yeah
0: um she immediately sees picard even though picard does do the like hand over his face turn (laughs) (laughs) totally saw through that Uh. (laughs) and then she's enticed by rex because she can't feel what he's thinking
3: i thought about that and when you really like take a step back that's so sad like what must that life be like, where you you have to like always know what someone is thinking of? Like you know, I, I imagine you can turn it on and off a little bit, like, but you always sort of get the the vague impression of how somebody feels about you. I'm sure.
0: Yeah. To me, it was like a this whole episode is a little bit like a study of growing growing older, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, I thought of it as you know, I, I've been married for. 17 years right and so like I could understand someone being like well it's weird to go on a date when you don't know everyone's all their social mores mobile and that's what's exciting about about that you know there's it's the non-familiarity uh that would be exciting to to her it did I, she basically says it is very erotic <laughs> and he's like yep I'm gonna go get this. Is French, maybe? Let's go drink this French, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a long conversation, and everyone is like, "We should tell her, right?" I mean, Picard tries to tell her at one point, and then she cuts him off. So you know, the 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 at least the the attempt was there, but they leave it hanging for a little while before when they finally leave. The Antedians are there. They're at Pacifica. We got to get her to the conference on time. Uh, Luoxana, once she finds out that it was a robot in talking to Troy. Not very happy about that.
3: Yeah, uh, there's a great line on their way out of the of the holodeck where he says, there's something you should know about Rex. And then there's a great jump cut yep. to her just being incensed about it. And I don't blame her. I don't blame her. They let her go on a little too long with that.
2: After all she's done, it's, yeah, the, she, it's yeah. not very much. Yeah, she, <laughs> she had it coming.
3: Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Very yeah. small
2: payback. Yeah. Maybe that was the way
0: to answer the the her needs at that moment too. Like, they, right? They could have just left the holiday right. going for a couple more minutes.
2: Trying to sex shame somebody? It's fine if you you need a little robot love. That's cool. Yeah, go for it. Uh,
0: but what's interesting here, and we'll get to that detail in a second. But but Troy was basically uh, Deanna Troy was basically saying that she's usually the most powerful zoid ever. Like she can hear, feel, and hear everybody what they're thinking, except for when she's during this phase like her her abilities are not as on point as they would be so that's interesting to me because well a was she just putting on the stuff with Picard and his dirty thoughts earlier on because she knows that makes him uncomfortable so she wasn't actually feeling anything um but then when we get to the res- resolution here at the end where the Antidians are ready to beam over to uh the conference on Pacifica Luxana is there and she just very casually mentions. Oh, by the way, those two are assassins and they're going to blow up the conference. They've got this uh, material sewn into their shower curtain costumes that we couldn't detect that are going to blow everything up. And, until day. you
2: mention it, and they're like, hold yeah. on. Oh, wait. oh, yeah, no, oh, yeah, there. There, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I thought
3: about the way we are always like, why don't they have the, the sensors Deep set sensor, to max yeah. all the time? It's like, well, why don't you have it? This feels like an <laughs> important <laughs> element to leave out. She waits, like, seconds before they're about to beam away, too. Like, Right, and gross. not until after
2: she's insulting. Yes. And she's like, it doesn't matter if I insult them, they're... They're terrorists, right? Right.
0: Right. Because we we didn't mention that through line where she constantly refers to them as food.
2: Right. Right. Yeah, she's like, I prefer you in sauce. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Well, last time I saw that, it was being served to me. Right. Yeah, which is very insulting. But then she's like, oh, yeah, what it doesn't matter. They're gonna blow them up.
2: Uh, And what did you guys think about the whole assassin thing?
0: I personally love it. I think it's such a weird, great button to this episode. Uh, I wish it was because, you know, we saw like, oh, maybe now her things are coming back. Her powers are coming back. That was the inconsistency I didn't necessarily care for. But I just love that it's like such a throwaway line and she ends up saving the day. And it's fantastic.
2: I I love the idea, but it was like it was a, a little tiny bit of smoke that came out. Right. Instead of a bomb, I was like, "They're assassins," and they're like, "Guess we got caught. Yeah, right. <laughs> they, oh. Take them away! <laughs> like, Foiled. you guys are the 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 most sedate terrorists, <laughs> maybe in the universe." Yeah, they were <laughs> yelling
0: more in the sick bay when they woke up. Right. <laughs> yeah, maybe Mick Fleetwood uh, oh, wanted to do a whole combat
1: scene, but there wasn't time. <laughs> Yeah, and and they and they like kind of just went willingly, you know. It's <laughs> just Worf Worf pulls out his phaser, and fair just kind of we just gonna blow him up, right? But yeah, all right, fine. We'll just go with you guys now.
3: It's a fair cop.
0: And then, of course, it ends with Woxana beaming down to the conference, and she gets in <laughs> as she's being beamed. So we again, I think this is the second time that we right. get a uh, uh, an ending line during beaming. She can. Tells Picard that she shouldn't be uh, uh, thinking those dirty thoughts about her.
3: I absolutely think she just does it because it drives him crazy, and then and then for a brief second, it does make him think of her naked, which is just yeah. even better.
0: Right. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy.
1: Yeah. It's all realities. are yeah. true, with it's Thro- true. It's
3: canon now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Schrodinger's dirty thoughts. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that is all of Manhunt. Uh, Kate, let me throw it to you for final thoughts on mm. this episode.
3: Uh, I'm going to give this uh, seven glass tubes of Barbasol um, <laughs> because it's a Loxana uh, episode. So I am inclined to like it. I don't as much love the, this particular Dixon Hill. I I, I like the conceit of it but i think that they didn't utilize i would be curious to know what those script changes were that jimmy was talking about in terms of it trying to be more of a direct callback to the first dixon hill um but it's just really it's funny i remember it from being a kid so it just it leaves a little happy spot uh in the dark spot where my heart should be
0: (laughs)
1: uh cicero what did you think of this episode it was great to see Dixon Hills. Uh, it was great to see Loxana Troy. I'm pouring one out for Jordi LaForge because that name was not mentioned in this episode. And I'm starting I'm starting to feel like you guys have a complex against me. <laughs> because the last time I was on, uh, we were talking about an episode where Worf didn't appear. Mm. Right? And now this episode, Jordan didn't appear. So you guys apparently can only have two black people <laughs> in the same place at the same time. Or even if you're just discussing them. I get it, it's okay. I, I I'm raising a fist for Jordy LaForge. Oh yes.
4: yeah. Yeah. So, that. so I hear but that. uh yeah.
1: Seven seven black fists. For, or seven seven visors for, for this episode uh, <laughs> seven visors i love it uh jimmy what did you think
2: uh, uh in honor of Jordan laforge i'm going to give it five timid terrorists Just trying to go with a little alliteration there from the reading rainbow days there you
1: go pum uh, <laughs>
2: it was uh it was a middle of the road episode for me nothing revelatory it wasn't it, it wasn't bad it wasn't great it was just it was okay so you know watch or skip watch it if you uh you know you've gone through the season and you're like i need one more sneak it in there but if you miss it you're not uh you're not going to miss anything about tng that informs the, the universe overall really because okay. this doesn't contribute to the the world building much in in, in any way other than how they totally missed the boat on how the phase could have really impacted, (laughs) uh, Picard. It's (laughs) true.
0: It's true. Well, I, I like this episode more than that. I think I'm going to give it, uh, uh, seven really disgusting fish meals. Um, it's so funny to me. I love the, the back and forth between Loxana and Picard. Um, that whole uncomfortability scene was shot very well, and very interestingly, uh, I like Dixon Hill, the whole through line and how it it it's come back as a as a character detail for Picard. Um, it just fires in all cylinders for me. I really enjoy uh, how it all works. You know, it doesn't necessarily have any greater meaning uh, to it. Uh, so that's why i don't I don't rate it any higher, but it's solid sci-fi. it It pulls on a lot of different uh fun star trek tropes and things that i enjoy like meeting someone else uh and 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 getting their more character studies about loxana troy going on so
4: yeah i
0: i i think it's 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 definitely a watch uh for me and i'm glad that we were all here on this journey and we were able to hunt a man and make him dead Thank you so much, Cicero, for being a part of Re-Engage. Again, uh, very wonderful to have a second returning guest. Where can people find out what you're doing, what you're talking about, and follow along with all the fun things of Cicero
1: Holmes? I am on all social media platforms at Stubby Stan. Uh, You can find the Discovery Debrief podcast on Twitter at DSC Debrief and on all of your favorite podcatchers, discovery debrief where we're talking about all the new star treks including lower decks and picard and uh discovery and strange new worlds and all of the the upcoming shows and uh you can also find me on the test your might podcast it's a video game debate podcast think espn's first take but for video games We're at the 90s First. We're on the 90s First Network, podcasting network. So we're at the 90s First on Twitter. And I believe test your might on all your favorite podcatchers.
0: That sounds awesome. I am a big fan of all things video games and competition, ESPN-like. So I can't wait to check that out. Thanks again for being here, buddy. Thanks a lot. Loved uh, being here. Next up, we got The Emissary, hosted by Kate And I can't wait for all that Klingon shenanigans to be a big part of what we're doing here on Re-Engage. My pants are now thoroughly wet. (laughs) So thank you all for that. Thanks for joining our Cultural Bridge officers for this episode of Re-Engage. Next week, we are continuing the mission with another episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. We want to hear from you, our listeners. If you've got questions or observations, Halem frequencies are open. Email reengage at gmail.com or you can follow reengage on Instagram and Twitter at reengagetng TNG to get updates on episode drops and all kinds of fun Star Trek things. But you can follow Kate Yeager at Yeagerlicious on Twitter and Instagram. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on the gram. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and Greg underscore Tito on Instagram logo artwork by mojo jojo97 on twitter or mojo97.com. The music is by the incomparable Ryan Marth. Thanks for listening. Stand by for Riker's Beard to Re-engage.